on this episode of Why Watch That. He just looks like a normal dude. And he will smile and nod and then whack. So just be very careful. He's a normal and- mate. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, she took out another boss. Um, yes, she did. And mm. she was about to be a bossette. Now, they're always in the back trying to scheme and take. They can't just keep their own stuff. Stay in your Wait, lane. Stay in your business. Gosh. The question is, did SNL get it right? <laughs> <laughs> they call out who they think the murderer is. He's like, yeah, obviously it's me. <laughs> or she. You don't know what to do with these. They're unpublished. What a rude man. Yeah, he's like, you idiot. You shouldn't even have them. Right. Go back to waitressing or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, we won't repeat those nasty words. Yeah, now, he was really mean. Just nasty. Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head to head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why I Watch That. This episode of Why Watch That is supported by Entrepreneur Meal Plan. It helps leaders and professionals feed their bodies and business as well. You know, Critic, I got mm. a chance to attend a wonderful event by EMP here Uh-oh. in Los Angeles. And it was so amazing because Brandy Cochran was able to gather people from all sorts of walks of life. We were able to gather together, have real talk and some real good food too. Mm-hmm. It was a hit. It's food for the soul and the body, which is so hard to find. So if you want to learn more about Entrepreneur Meal Plan, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, go to entrepreneurmealplan.com. The Why Watch That Talk. Happy Memorial Day, critics. As of of recording. (laughs) (laughs) It's a three-day weekend, and by the time we all listen to this, you've just come off of that. So some of us are dragging ourselves to the living room where we work from home. (laughs) Or maybe you're on the road commuting to work, and you're thinking to yourself, I had a big barbecue, we had parties, I'm vaxxed up, or whatever you were doing, you're exhausted, and you need to just settle and keep it really light. We've got some shows for us to talk about. Some shows, I'm not going to say they're going to relax you because they're intense. (laughs) (laughs) But other shows, we will sneak around a little bit. We'll say goodbye to one and hold our breath for another. Mm. (sighs) Season five. Okay, let's get into this. NBC Debris. Now, this is a one and done season. That's it. That's all you get these 13 episodes. And you are able to watch debris in its fullness but unfortunately it doesn't sound like we'll be returning that's right um you know they whenever now whenever shows are canceled the the creators you know maybe the production company they always come out and say we're shopping it you know we're shopping it yeah okay. okay um so in debris we talked about it when it started what's going on is there is debris from an alien spacecraft that entered our universe that is falling down the earth And this debris 
certain parts of it have certain powers essentially. And there is some sort of connection between the debris and humans we learn across this season. So what it could do, for instance, is bring back somebody who's dead that you were missing. What's that like? It could clone you. Yes. Okay. It could it could send you to a parallel universe. It could have you go forward or backward in time. It gives you superpowers. Not, well, it depends. I'll say it that way. It depends. So you never quite know. And of course, there are uh, different governmental agencies that know how to test the debris, know how to actually deactivate it, because it can be dangerous if you don't know what it can do, right? Like in the very first episode, we saw somebody touch it and non plus. Now, they became debris. <laughs> <laughs> they wish. Oh. Now, so that's the backdrop. In the center of the story is two agents, one CIA, or is he still? The other from Great Britain. And what's happened is different countries across the globe have paired together. So they paired together in in the States. So again, one's American, one's British. And who are they answering to? Right. Are they at cross purposes? Right? Okay. So that's the central relationship. And the British one, her father is a leading figure, probably the leading figure in the scientific community when it comes to debris. Okay. So he's highly valuable, but he died. Or did no. he? Oh, I did bum. see that. See that? Yeah. The can't get it past Maddie, the ref. That's right. <laughs> now, but she felt his cold, dead body. I mean, she was there. So, okay, what's that like? And what is his value to all kinds of people, not just to her and maybe to our partner and their governments? What about the debris itself? What about certain rogue actors who want that debris? Of course, the governments, they're not just going to let them have it. No. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening. They're chasing debris down. These rogue actors are, and they seem to know, these rogue actors seem to know a little more about the debris than the governments. And by now, actors, we're not talking about thespians. No, not thespians. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be interesting, though. <laughs> not the happy and sad masks. Oh. Yeah. No, we're talking about rogue participants. Yes. Yeah. Now, <laughs> that's her thing. Now, for the, the American dude who's her partner, his boss, what's going on with him and his family life? Something's up with him and the debris as well, does the partner know? Also, why was this partner chosen? He has a secret background story. Is it going to get out? And what happens as the two of them interact with each other over time? So, of course, this is all about who can you trust? Can you trust anybody? And so on. I mean, is, is it X-Filey? It's, it, there I mean, we it's, go. It smells like X-Files. Fringe is even closer because... The creator of this was a major writer of French, J.H. Wiley. Ah, okay. Yes. But the thing about, and I said it before, the thing about this in Fringe is, in Fringe, we had interesting characters and we had some humor. I mean, you had Walter Nitt, of all people in Fringe. And if you watch Fringe, you already started laughing. So, you know, that's not here. That's the thing. It's not here. And this development of that central relationship, I found a bit too slow and dull. Now, toward the season end, Raph, of course, they start to understand how important they are to each yeah, other. Yeah, they wrap up. Abrupt. Yeah, it was just like, okay, all of a sudden we're here. But I will say that they did start to up the stakes. Finally, beginning with episode 10, there was a two-episode arc where they were separated in multiple timelines. That was more like it. 
And then in the penultimate episode, episode 12, it did the best job of showing just how scary the debris could be. I was really taking it seriously. I could feel the urgency. Now at the very end, there is a surprise addition to the cast. If you know some of the shows we talked about, you go, oh, and there were all kinds of cliffhangers, but we know we may not get any answers. So thinking of what the ref said, it's somewhere in between Fringe and the X-Files if you were to watch the X-Files now. That's probably how you would feel about it. It's closer to Fringe, but again, the narrative is just stretched too thin in an attempt to gen up mystery. I wish they would just tell the story. Well, there it is. It, and the thing about it is um, the question will be for our listeners, where will it live? Are you able to hop on Hulu and whip through those as quickly as possible before they're snatched down? Will they live on Peacock after that? You know, you really do. If you're interested, if this is something you're interested in, yeah. um, our suggestion would be, why don't you just dip on there, check out a couple episodes and see if it's for you. If it is, I would definitely encourage. And I think the critic would agree if it is for you you should probably just finish it while you can That's while right. it's on hulu yeah well let's stay on hulu because <laughs> we talked about that for a second and go to um a returning show this is of course a season premiere of the third season of mr in between coming to us from down under and um, the thing about it is you have been talking about Mr. In-Between for two full seasons. There was a little lull or a little gap because of, you know, things that we couldn't avoid happening between seasons. But it is back and it is a weekly broadcast. So um, I think the first two seasons or first two episodes you could watch. And then after that, you got to wait every Wednesday before... <laughs> You can get through this, but it's just 30 minutes with act breaks. So it's even less than that. It's like 20 something minutes, yeah. you know, 29, 28, 23 minutes or whatever. And you'll have to remind us. I, now, the reason why I'm chiming in on all of this front work stuff and I'll chime in towards the end is that I binged it. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Yeah, I binged it during the holiday weekend. I had watched something else that we're going to talk about. I thought, oh, let's let's stay along those, you know, that lane a little bit. Yeah. And Mr. In-Between and its character Ray, or its lead character Ray, certainly is bingeable and enjoyable. The question will be, how long can this last? Yeah. And is season three really delivering what we experienced season one and two, especially with our wonderful main disturbing character, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And this is the final season. Oh. Yeah. So we've got to culminate. We've got to get to a final, you know, but I can see this being a movie. So uh, let's, let's see what happens. Mm -hmm. Well, it started as a movie. Um, uh -huh. And then that was adapted uh, by the lead actor who plays Ray. This it was his movie. He writes every episode of this. He adapted it. Scott Ryan, we applaud you. So I, much so. You know, I wish it weren't going away, but I understand that it needs to go it, away. It, yeah. yeah. It, for the character's sake. Yes. And, and just for the narrative's sake. sake as well. Yeah. Um, I, smart of them to do it that way, but I'm sad about it. But anyway, so we have Mr. Ray Shoesmith, and he's a hitman. And his heart may be of gold. It depends on who you are. You just better be on the right side. <laughs> and it you ain't personal. That's right. And he is not some menacing, hulking guy. 
You know, he's not that, he's not James Bond either. He's just looks like a normal dude. And he will smile and nod and then whack. So just be very careful. He's a normal and, mate. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> <All> mate. <laughs> and you know, he has friends. He has a daughter whom he loves. You know, his ex-wife, they are cordial enough. Yeah. You know, and you know, he knows the people in prison if he has to go there. It's no problem. <laughs> he can handle himself. He can handle it. There's always a job. Exactly. Even maybe in prison. You never know what's going to land in your lap. Or in your face. (laughs) (laughs) So in the beginning of of season three, one of his good friends is in this deal to sell some people some guns. At the beginning of the season, if you haven't been watching it, you you go, did I miss something? Because I don't know who these guys are. They're talking about somebody they're going to swindle. It better not be Ray. (laughs) Okay. Now you'll see how that comes to fruition, but just we how many times we got to tell y'all don't underestimate people. This is a lesson of Mr. In Between. Don't judge a book by its cover. Don't think you're so smart because you and may not. And don't be mm-hmm. an a-hole. Like that <laughs> that he says it over and over again. He's like, "Hey, there are a-holes in the world. You can't let everybody get away with being an a-hole." Just watch who you be an a-hole to. <laughs> exactly. So there's something that comes of that and let's just say he does end up in prison what's that like he has to have a cellmate you'll find out what that relationship is like but does he stay in prison also when it comes to his daughter what happens if people find out that he has a record i mean his daughter's a teenager now she's being a teenager um what happens with friends and all of that how does ray negotiate that You'll find out. So in the first two episodes of season three, they're just reintroducing us to who Ray is. It's nothing major that happens. Just be careful when you're crossing the street. You know, things like that. Little lessons that you learn. Little life lessons from Mr. Between. But we always know, Ref, with this show, that it's coming. It is coming. You might go through a glass door one day. You just never know. So be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I do have to chime in and say, you you know, we before we started recording, you did a very kind and gracious I told you so with <laughs> with this show. If you love Get Shorty, mm-hmm. because while you're watching this and we're going to talk about another show, you really you're rooting for Ray. But then you go, I don't want you to do that, though. Yeah. Like, like, don't <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> and he does that. And then you go, "Ooh, I don't know how I feel about that. But you're rooting for him anyway. Get Shorty is a good compliment to Mr. In-Between because it's that same world of bad guys, in quotes, doing bad things for good reasons. Or it's better that they do it than someone else do it. Yes, yes. (laughs) And there's comedy. And just like with Get Shorty, there's comedy, there's drama, a beautiful dance in between. Hats off to Scott and to Nate um, Edgerton, who Edgerton, who um, is, you know, uh, Joel's the actor. Yeah, Joel. Nash. Mm-hmm. N- uh, Nash, sorry, mm-hmm. and Nate. And hats off to the two of them. Nash directs, Scott writes every single episode. So they're really, I do feel cared for. Great show to check out. It's under 30 minutes per episode. You can binge it very, very easily. It's right there on Hulu. My thing is, do you want to do it this way or the other way? Do you want to do it now and get caught up and go week by week? 
for a measly 30 minutes? Or do you want to wait until it's finished? Because there are nine episodes. And then binge the whole thing. So it'll be up to you. But it is a good show. Now, speaking of a good show of rooting for bad guys doing bad things, Mm. but it's better that they do it than someone else do it. It's our favorite. I'm going to say it. It's my favorite crime drama, hands down. Mm -hmm. There is not a better crime drama, in my opinion. I didn't finish The Wire, so I'll have to get through The Wire Mm -hmm. to see. I know how you feel about The Wire, but Mm -hmm. I'll have to to get through it but if it's a i'm talking crime drama because i i am all about that get shorty life by the way yes but it's not a crime drama mm-hmm. i don't know if there's a better one for me on tv I, I i made for tv i i don't know i do not know long form and short form i'll put that out there i'm talking about tv series and limited series i don't know if there's a better one gamora is what we're talking about on HBO Max. This is the fourth season that has been long awaited. This has already aired overseas. So in Italy, England, all, all Europe, as well as some other places have already had have access and had access to season four. Currently, they're filming the final season, season five. That's happening now. And HBO Max will carry season five. The question really is whether they're going to carry another project um, that is a spinoff of this series called L'Immortale. It is The Immortal, which is based on the lead character of the first three seasons of Gamora Chiro. Mm-hmm. And it is it takes place at between the end of season three and during season four. And it's a movie. Hmm. So um, we'll have to see if HBO will give us access to that movie before we go into season five. Because season four, as you're going to explain, it's the most different season because we are missing one particular key character that I just talked about. And a couple other key components um, that Gamora usually has. So let's dip in. And, and just note, some of you listeners who are Gamora fans are a little frustrated right now, some of you as of taping, yeah. because there are um, technical difficulties. We will be exploring the length of the season. So if you are one of those folks, we're not going to spoil everything, but there are some big things that we have to kind of get through. If you stopped at seven right now, I believe it's episode seven. Yeah, yeah episode, episode seven. seven. Mm-hmm. If you're currently experiencing that, why don't you just um, hit that 30 second button a couple <laughs> times and get through it? Because we will be talking about the full season. Yes, exactly. Oh, episode seven of season four. Come on, HBO Max. Come on now. Come on. Oh. I'm glad I, I'm glad we figured it out. I, I yeah. called the, the critic and I was I called. Yes. Usually we'll text and rant. But I was like, it, I don't know what time it was on the East Coast, but I was like, I don't care. I'm calling what in the <laughs> is going on here. Yeah. And it, they did not fix it. But on my end, there was a solution to help me get those subtitles. So. It was and, and not only you, also me and my brother, we all had three different things to fix it. It was not even a set thing to do to get because what's happening is everybody, there's something at issue with the English subtitles. So it won't play in episode seven, the Italian, original Italian audio track with the English subtitles. It's a mess. 
But we each found a way to do it. My brother yeah. called HBO. You toggle through some stuff. I updated yes. my Apple TV, even though there isn't an update. If you go into your Apple TV, it may not say as of taping that there is an update, but there is one. You can click on that. And then you had another way that is just ridiculous yeah. to Twitter is <laughs> at a frenzy. I mean, they are. Even yeah. the lead actor who plays Jenny said, please help them, HBO. Yeah. Because everybody was really, it's, it, it is unfortunate because episode six lands somewhere that we need to get resolved. And then if you skip to episode eight, eight mm-hmm. you miss a big plot point. Exactly. And and do you want to watch it with the English dub? We say no. N- oh. <laughs> Please don't. Please if you don't. can, yeah. listeners, just... Yeah, because one day I got it to work one way. The other day it didn't work that way. I found another way because I just start tapping on stuff. Anyway, I mean, eventually I just changed my Apple TV language to Italian. Somehow that fixed it. But it did work for my brother. Anyway, so enough of that. For Gamora season four. Remember, forward through. Sorry, if you forward through. Forward through. It's now two central people here, Jenny and Patricia. And they're each trying to change their lives or experiencing a life change. Jenny is trying to go legit. He's given up Secundiliano. Okay, he's no longer going to be the boss. He's with his wife. He's with his son. They've moved out. You know, son's going to school and he wants to open up an airport or to build an airport. The first of its kind in Italy. No one's ever, legit or not, no one's been able to do it. No one could do it. Now he can't do this alone. He has to get someone who understands business and politics. But it could be the face of business. But what kind of face is that, Ref? Because for Jenny to be able to get this kind of person, he has to have some sort of leverage. So what's that like? And who does this person know? Can any of these people be trusted? But Jenny <laughs> wants to do it right. He does. Yeah. You don't yeah. you don't want to have to bump heads. But he will. It clean, is. clean. Nice and clean. Because he has a son. This can be his son's legacy. And he doesn't want his son to have the taint of the mafia. Now, since he's left Secundiliano, who's coming into that vacuum? I mean, hey, Patrizia has been loyal to his father and him. She's the one. He's been grooming her to take over. So she's gonna do that. Is she? <laughs> Well, that, yeah. How are people going to re- receive all of this? Also, we find that Jenny has some other family members, the Levantes, and he has to go to them for a particular reason. And there's a reason why his father never did. Yeah. Never did. Important to point out, they have Sicilian ties, which is a whole other, I have this feeling, season five. There's a whole other. Because mm. right now we're in Naples. So yep. then you go to Sicily. Oh boy, I don't know. That's the, that's our mafia that we see in mm-hmm. the United States. The Sicilian, yes. so exactly. You know. The Godfather. That's Sicily. Mm-hmm. All right. So these Levantes come on in. What do they really want? What are they up to? Their family, but that don't mean much. Okay. So in their opinion, do they go? Okay, we're gonna let Patrizia take over Secondigliano. Now, the other thing, there's a complication between Patrizia and the Levantes. I won't give that one away. Uh, But you'll see what happens of that. And the question for Patrizia is, and for Jenny, actually, your past, you can't get rid of it, right? It's coming with you, but can you use it in a way that helps you to achieve your future goals? That's really the question for both of them. 
For Patrizia, remember, her parents were dead. She had to take care of her brother. What's that relationship like? So she has all kinds of regrets. And she's had to do things that maybe she wasn't so comfortable with. And she has to continue doing that as a boss. Remember, she took out another boss. Um, yes, she did. And mm. she was about to be a bossette with, <laughs> with, another, with Jenny's father. So she, yep. she had to prove herself in those ways as well. Didn't she? I mean, no. He he was going to have to prove it. Just <laughs> <laughs> saying. Now, also... Not just the Levantes, but we still have the remnants of the two factions from the last season, the Capaccios and the Blue Bloods. The Capaccios with the graduate and his idiot brother. Oh my gosh. Now they're always in the back trying to scheme and take. They can't just keep their own stuff. Stay in your lane. Stay in your business. Gosh. So you can't trust them. Who are they conspiring with? And you well, know, we what know mm-hmm. if you saw season three, you know. But do you know about it in the season four? Maybe things change. That's uh, unfortunate. What? Or is it? Is it? Or is it? Now, Blue Bloods, Enzo, we know what happened at the end of season three. <sighs> he better watch his back because <laughs> Jenny made a promise. Okay. And Enzo, I love you. That's hard for me because I love Chiro. That's, you know, I, uh, anyway. So you'll you'll see what happens with Enzo and the Blue Bloods because whenever you're a boss, you got to stay on top. And whenever you're a boss, there's always somebody sniffing around waiting to take your spot. So you got to be careful. And who can you trust? Jenny at one point tells Patrizia, no one. What does that mean? He told her twice. Oh, well, okay. Now also, again, Jenny's son going to school. Little boy, the people at school don't want to see no Jenny. They know who he is. Okay. Especially someone in particular. A man at school. That's what I'll call him. I won't give it away, bruh. There's a man. Mm-hmm. And and we see Jenny's looking at him through the bars. Like, it's like, well, who is this man? He's like, who is this guy? You know, when Jenny is then looking at somebody, you're like, uh-oh. I don't know. Yeah. That is about, why is he looking with at his this look. dude? Right. With his look. Yeah. <laughs> so his son, of course, is just an innocent kid. But he's paying the price of having his father be Jenny. None of the kids' parents want their kids to be with his son. How does Jenny remedy that? And this man at school is roped in. And this man has power. I won't tell you what kind, but you got to watch out. So as always in Gamora, it's a chess game. That's really what this is. It's all these little pieces. But the difference between Gamora and chess is in chess, you know what the pieces can do. And Gamora, you might think you know, but you got to be careful. You don't know if that actually is a pawn or not. So they're always moving pieces around. And in the end, you never know who's going to be left standing. So there are certain complications here for certain people where they make decisions that aren't smart. Characters I like. Yes. Doing stuff. And Why, though? Have, there, there might be a reason. But I'm sorry, before you start doing certain things, you got to know where you are, who you are, and what the actual stakes are. And if you yeah. don't, the moral will take care of you. Okay? Yes. So Yes, it will. I just have to say, just to say my thoughts of the season, Ref, and then please chime in. Gamora season four. I was worried about losing Chiro because I love Chiro. But this show is so good at building the future that they're going to. They know where they're going. They build up characters so that they're ready to take on the narrative if that's what they need to do. I think that if you just watch the arc of Jenny from season one to this, it's astounding how they've done that. Astounding. 
Patrizia, same thing. They built her up. Even now we're starting to see Enzo starting to be built up. So, and then you always have some new faction come in and we'll see how they affect the next season. So to me, this show is just great at planning. And that is what makes it a show that I can just shut off my brain and watch, which is rare. So like you were saying, as far as a crime drama goes, you can do no better. I mean, there are some that aren't quite like this, but would go into this family, Breaking Bad, maybe, things like that. But Gamora is its own thing. I'm not even going to talk about The Wire. Go ahead, Ref. What do you have to say? Yeah, I know, because if you get on The Wire, that is no. it's just, that's not a good thing, just for the list, newer listeners. <laughs> Old listeners are like, wait, oh. <laughs> um, here's what I have to say about Gamora season four. This is my least favorite season. Mm-hmm. But that's almost like saying the worst of it is the best of it for anything else. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that really doesn't mean anything, but I do have to say it with this. I don't necessarily agree that it can move on without Chiro. And here is why. When you look at the first episode of Gamora and the essence of Gamora, it revolves around Chiro. And you can you could argue, go, well, no, it evolves around Jenny and his family. No, no. If you look at how the plot is driven, It is driven by this underdog, no-name, scrappy little guy whispering in people's ears that make things... He made Jenny, basically. Mm -hmm. Chiro made Jenny. And constantly we see Chiro... Chiro is the chess player. He never, ever gets played. Mm -hmm. He loses some rounds, but he never gets played. And in Mm -hmm. this season... Even though we did see Jenny move from an area of where you think, oh, okay, well, this is, you know, we're turning it around. We're, we're moving forward in this area. And, and you know, we want to see if that really does transpire or not. We didn't have that drive. So then what happened was we started to get to know this family and it kind of sat back. And you're like, oh, okay. You got to know Patricia and we love her. Enzo, okay. Valeria, all right. But in my opinion, as far as the pulse of the first three seasons, it was moving toward a game and I didn't feel it this season, but it doesn't matter because it is well-written. It's well-acted, beautifully executed. I mean, good gosh, I don't want to go to Naples and that's a good reason. (laughs) That's a good reason. (laughs) Napoli. Um, But is this, we need Chiro. You must, because that is that is the man, and, and you'll see in season five, we're already seeing posters and things. It's not ruining anything. The movie's out there. You could already, you know. We need Chiro to help that. Because here's the question, and I'll end it this way. Would you rather watch someone who is trying to keep something and not lose it? Or would you rather watch someone to get something? To, to move towards something. And the Jenny character is trying to keep and not lose. The Chiro character is trying to push and go where his family or no one else has gone before. And those two juxtapositions sometimes makes it explode. So I'm eager to see season five. Not my favorite season of, of Gamora, but that doesn't matter because the worst episode of Gamora is the best episode, I would say, of just about any TV crime drama. So mm-hmm. there it is with that. Here's the deal. We've got a finale. HBO ain't done. Now, if you stick with HBO, you're good. <laughs> Once you go to that app, because I tried to go to the app to watch 
and it wasn't working right. So I was like, you know what? I'm done with you, HBO app mm. or Max app. But if you stick to HBO, Mayor of Easttown had its whole series come to an end. Yeah. And we don't know if it was a screeching end. We don't know if we found out what we needed to know. Oof. Were we shocked? Were we surprised? Mm. Did we solve the things we needed to solve? Or mm. are there more questions? It was solved. <laughs> but uh, I, I won't say anymore. Now, um, so this is Kate Winslet. Yes, SNL did the whole joke on this with the O's. You know, that whole thing. My daughter. <laughs> murder daughter. They murder. My daughter murder. Yes. And you know what was so hilarious, Raph? After the final episode, um, they have like an eight-minute making of the show. And Gene Smart was talking about one line where they gave her like eight O's. And she was like, I went to the right. I was like, come on. Like, really? <laughs> so with that said, can I say that Kate nails that dialect? I cannot. But I will say this. I will tell you this. Kate Winslet's acting is immaculate in this show. Every beat is correct. I cannot find fault in that. So I will take the the you know janky daughter. dialect every now every daughter, now. Daughter. <laughs> I mean, just every she is. I look when she's not talking. Just look at it. The looks she gives people, and they were talking about ref how she got so immersed in the character. She was changing dialogue, giving you know helping them change the script, and they were listening. It's Kate Winslet. You better. Yeah. You know, she was going, no, she wouldn't do that here. She'd do this. The show is all the better for it. I mean, this cast, I mean, the cast is amazing. Amazing. But before I get to them, Kate plays Mayor, the titular character, Marianne Sheehan, for long. She's a detective in Easttown, which is a, a fictional town in Pennsylvania. And, you know, she knows everybody. It's that kind of town. But she's not afraid to do her job, whether they like it or not. And for a year, um, one of her former friends, daughter, has been missing. Can't find her. Now, this daughter, you know, is not like daughter. Daughter is not the pillar <laughs> of the community. Okay. There, there can be an explanation what for why Mayor will never find her. Now, the mother of this daughter, she has her own issues as well, but she's not happy with Mayor or the police at large. So that's a bit of a tension. Now, we also find out that Mayor had this storied high school basketball career. She's not happy about it. There's this miracle season they had. She was the tip of the spear for that. And it's an anniversary of it. So all of the whole team comes back and we see, oh, before we get to this moment, oh, these are the people that we've been meeting up to this moment. One of whom is Mayor's best friend, played by Julianne Nicholson, Lori. And Lori has a husband. She has two kids. And, you know, she understands Mayor so much so that she can tell Mayor, not here, Mayor. Does Mayor listen? No. Probably not. No. <laughs> now, at home, Mayor's mother's played by Jean Smart. Oh, we love her, don't we? We do. Um, her cousin is a priest in the town. Uh, she has a daughter who is about to go off. Now I'm, I'm thinking of the SNL skin. <laughs> it's all coming. Most a lot of our listeners will know, like watch SNL, so they're probably yes. like, yes. So that you can see where SNL got all of it from. 
Um, so she has a teenage daughter who's about to go off to college and she has a grandson. It's not her teenage daughter's son. Grandson she's taking care of, why? His father is mayor's son, not in the picture anymore. What about the mother of her grandson? What's going on with her? And mayor's ex-husband lives like in her backyard, not literally, but the house is across the way. Oh dear. She can see him, he can see her, and he's about to get remarried. Oh, that's fun. What is that like? Now, why did they split up? I won't give that away. What's their relationship like now? And for the ex-husband, how does he relate to Mayor's mother and Mayor's cousin? Now everyone agrees. I'll put it that way. Now, another character that comes into the town is played by Guy Pierce, who's a very important writer, even though Mayor doesn't know anything about him. And he's there at the town. You know, he's a visiting professor at the local uh, college. And there's something about Mayor that he likes and he's interested, but can Mayor receive that message and give it back? Also, what happens? Again, there was a, there's been a missing young woman for a year. Somebody comes up dead in the town. So this is compounding the problem for Mayor. Does the community trust her to actually get down to the bottom of this? What about her fellow policemen? What about the chief? Hmm? Because there is something that Mayor has to handle that she won't handle in her past that broke up her family. Oh. Okay. She is mandated to go to therapy. What's that like? Oh. So this happens. As a result, they bring in a hotshot in quotes detective from another part of Pennsylvania. He solved this major case. So he's coming in. What's that like? He's played by Evan Peters, Detective Colin Zabel. He's not what you think. Colin is my favorite character in this show. Okay, I was like, what am I supposed to think? <laughs> Love him. And he comes in, he's trying to ingratiate himself to mayor. Does that work? He's living with his mom during this time period. So what's that like? He's just a good guy who may not think so highly of himself the way others do. Why? So we see what their relationship is like. We see what happens to mayor because mayor can go too far with certain stuff to get what she wants. What are the, the drawbacks of that? What are the repercussions? And in the end, there's all kinds of stuff going on here. I didn't mention every character. There are all kinds of people who could have done this murder or could be involved or could know who did it. And in the end, when you find out who it actually is, it's very disturbing for everybody involved. Okay. Now, watching this, the secret sauce to this show is the characterization. These people, that's what I would call them. They're people. That's how they come across. There are moments, just like with Jean Smart's character, where she does something. It's just what this woman would do. It's not advancing plot. What they did is they built the town of Easttown. That's what mm -hmm. they did. That's what this show's um, heart is. That's what its strength is. And then you have these horrible things happening to people that you then either care about or you hate. Like you have an opinion of these people. Mm -hmm. So that's what makes this show worth watching. My only caution is in the final episode, the first 20 minutes, I think they squandered because they were trying to do raft the whole thing where we solve it, but it's not really solved. And they dragged that out of too, uh, too long. It just didn't feel like the show. Yeah. And what happened is they gave me a chance to figure it out before they got there. That was a mistake. They should have just gone because then you wouldn't have time to think. And then the shock of it would have landed a little more. But I'll tell you, after that first 20 minutes of the final episode, 
what they require of these actors, they deliver. I mean, Julianne Nicholson is no one to play around with as an actor. I'm going to tell you that. And she has to go there numerous times in different ways. But the brilliant thing about it with the going there, and this is my final thing to say about the show, they never wallow. They don't wallow. There is a, like, almost halfway through, or maybe a little over, I don't know when, something really shocking happens. I almost started crying. How dare you, Mayor of Easttown? And you will see when you watch it what that is. So that's this kind of show. But it's, again, it's not heavy handed, which I really appreciate it. So if this is your kind of thing, if you like, uh, you know, a small town where crimes are happening and detective stuff, then Mayor of Easttown is for you. That's all I can say about it. Well, there you have that. The question is, did SNL get it right? (laughs) (laughs) They call out who they think the murderer is. Question is, did they get it right? He's like, yeah, obviously it's me (laughs) or she. So let's move on and go into a sneak peek. It has not yet aired yet as of taping. A why watch that sneak peek? Liz Story mm. on Apple TV Plus. Ooh, what? Stephen King is the writer. What? Well, you know he is because he wrote the book. And he adapted this for screen mm-hmm. and wrote every episode. Mm. I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is. Stephen King's first serial, but Apple's toting it around. I mean, you go on Apple TV, they've got, you know, the big people on the bottom and they're like, ooh. But guess who else is attached to this, though? J.J. Abrams is executive producer. So, ooh, interesting combination. Pablo Larey is the director of all episodes. Mm-hmm. So how is that working out? The cast, holy crap. Is this kind of your dream cast, though? If you're going to do a TV series, would this or would this not be your dream cast? It's a coup of casting. It's a coup of casting. Um, We've got Julianne Moore headlining as the titular character, as you say. Uh, Clive Owen, who who is like writing Lizzie's story. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. (laughs) Joan Allen is back. Where have you been, Joan? We've been missing you. She may have been around, but I have missed Joe. And you don't recognize her. Just put it out there. Yeah. You will never, when you watch it, you're going to go, where is Joan Allen? But who's this actor? <laughs> this actress is doing amazing work. Wait, is that Joan Allen? Yeah. Look, get the girl some makeup. Mm. Okay. Not this character, though. Dane DeHaan, who always reminds me of Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> He does. Um, Sung Jang, Jennifer Jason Lee. She's showing up. She's back. And then Ron Cephas Jones. This is not your, this is us performance. I'll tell you that. This is a limited series. So this isn't, um, we believe (laughs) at this point in time, it is a limited series. I do believe it has a, a beginning, middle and end. And, you know, the question is, we both watched the first episode or I watched as much as I could. And it is more than one episode. (laughs) So, you know, the question is, this is Stephen King. It is not, you know, short story. You know, this is Stephen King. Mm -hmm. Like, let's just go places, Stephen King. Yeah. It also is the creative freedom of of Apple TV. 
Mm-hmm. And in combination with that, you cast it in a way that you know you can go certain places with some of these actors because yeah. these are award-winning you can actors. Go any place. You can go literally anywhere. Yeah. So with that combination, critic, mm. shouldn't this be a slam dunk? Shouldn't this be a home run and any other sports metaphor that you can think of? <laughs> This really should be one of the greatest moments on television. Is it so? Yeah, I mean, when you read these people, I mean, I was like, what? They made a, they got together and did a TV show? I've got to see this. So Julianne is Lisi. Lisi has experienced a tragedy. Her husband is dead, played by Clive Owen, Scott. He's a famed author, and not famed beyond that. He is an author who has like hypnotic powers. I mean, some people who read his stuff, they are obsessed. They feel Stephen like they King. own. Could it be Stephen King? Well, could it be Stephen <laughs> King? That's right. They feel like they own him. Yeah. Now we see in numerous moments in the first episode where he gets shot. And the shooter says to him, you stole my stories. You stole my mind. Mm. Now this has already happened. Lisi is grieving. Essentially, Lisi is stuck. Doesn't know what to do. She has Scott's manuscripts in the house, but she won't release them. And that angers some people. It sure does. In particular, the characters played by Dane DeHaan and Ron Cephas Jones. Mm. Dane plays Jim Dooley. Ron plays Professor Dashmiel. (laughs) (laughs) When I heard that, I was like... Now, the good professor ref shows up to Lisey's house and is like, give me the manuscripts. You don't know what to do with these. They're unpublished. What a rude man. Yeah, he's like, you idiot. You shouldn't even have them. Right. Go back to waitressing or something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, we won't repeat those nasty words. Yeah, now, he was really mean. Just nasty. And the moment he shows up, Lisey's off to do something urgent. I mean, he won't get out of the way. And she, you know, returns the favor. Gotta do so, what you gotta do. The professor, you know, hooks up with Jim and Jim is like, she shouldn't have these in much worse words. So what's Jim going to do about it? Now, Lisi also has two sisters. Don't run into him in the library. I just uh, Anyway, that's right. It just you want to go the other way. Oh, hands up. Now, Lisi has two daughters, uh, played by Joan Allen and Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, so Joan plays... No, Lee. two sisters. Two, that's Not what daughter. I meant. What did I say? Daughter? Okay. Two sisters. Yeah. <laughs> I was sisters. like, what? <laughs> like you were revealing a plot point here? I no. don't know. Okay. Two sisters. And Amanda, played by Joan, is having problems. I'll just put it that way. Some serious problems. Uh, yeah, yeah. Why? Who's the source? We see in flashbacks that she does have her own relationship with Scott. What's that like? Well, I'll quote... She says it's the sweetest water I ever tasted. Now I don't know. Now I won't tell you don't, why. You, I don't want that water. No, not that water. You can't even imagine what that means unless you know the book or you've seen yeah. the show. Okay. There were moments when I paused and was like, "Wait, did I miss something? Did I? I don't know what is happening." The critic, I have to. The critic texts me. He's like, "Will you watch this?" And I was like, oh, "What is this?" When I saw. The reference of that, I thought, what in the heck does he have me watching? <laughs> well, and I'll come back to this. There's a reason why I asked the ref yeah. to check this out. So 
Okay, and then Jennifer Jason Lee's character, uh, Darla, is kind of in the middle of Lisi and Amanda. Seems like she has the least problems among everybody. Yes. <laughs> she seems a little grounded. Exactly. And she's like, okay, Lisi, you can handle Amanda this time. I did it the last time and probably the time before that and the time before that. Right, right. So what has happened is Scott has set up some sort of weird exploration for Lisi to figure something out. I can't tell you exactly what it is. Anyway, I mean, he says, quote, follow the clues and get your prize. Now, if you're going, okay, what did the critic just say? What in the world is going on here? You tell me. Now, going back to me texting the ref, that was because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't missing something. This is the kind of show where you'll read some critics and they'll go, oh, it's imaginative and daring. And this it is, is my beautifully problem. shot. I mean, if, Pablo yeah. Larraín, don't it, play. It's like, gorgeous. I mean, yes, like these people do not play. You know, Pablo did the film Jackie and so on. He And his aesthetic is here. It's a slow, beautiful, disturbing. Cinematic. Flowing, artistic. That is Pablo. Okay. You also have music and sounds that are heavy handed. I'm like, do I, I don't need to. <laughs> I just didn't need to hear that. Sometimes the mystery is enough. You don't have to add. That's the problem here. It's too much adding. The cast is amazing. Stephen King is amazing. Pablo is amazing. That's the problem. This is the kind of show that only amazing people can get together and create. Only great people can make something like well, this. explain. So <laughs> here we go. Like what? Well, <laughs> when I was watching this, again, you're like, what's going on here? But it's from a distance. If you're going to have a show that makes viewers ask what's going on, they got to care about what's going on. Yeah. I didn't. It's a bunch of hidden meanings, things that don't make sense. Look, you can forget the high concept. Go for the low concept. So I got into episode two, 15 minutes in, and then that was enough for me. Mm. I wouldn't say it's laughably bad, but nothing worked for me. Nothing at all. And they were working. And what it did, it saddened me. It saddened me because these people are great, but Lisey's story, I, I'm sorry. This is this is for people who like adventures and, and watching, period. Um, so if you just are an adventurous viewer, you want to see something completely strange and it doesn't matter to you and disturbing and Stephen King-like, then okay, Apple TV Plus is not shying away with Lisey's story. I think if you, just from someone who did not get giddy, and watch it and had you know you told hey why don't you check this out for a second let me know your thoughts yeah i always have to go back to our conversation with westworld because i think westworld is a very important conversation in modern tv Mm -hmm. not so much you know 10 years ago 11 years ago 12 years ago but in this new era of of wanting to really work with the show like work with it this is a type of story where you are working and unless you are a Stephen King crazed kind of person, meaning you've read all of his books, mm. you'll go to the conventions. You know what I mean? Like you'll, yeah. you, because there are in Lisa's story, there is a weaving in of what some critics b- from the book, from the book, mm-hmm. um, some critics are saying, you know, the lead character played by Clive Owen, is, you know, a metaphor for himself. And the things that happen is actually a metaphor of some of the the events that happen in his life. Mm -hmm. So if you're into that, 
like people were like that HB or um, that Hulu series where you're like, oh, it's all of Stephen King's work, and yeah. I get to sift Castle through it and, and Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you get to sift through, and you really want to work. This is a show for you if you really want to work at trying to decipher Stephen King's mindset. But many of the greats have tried <laughs> to decipher <laughs> Stephen King's mindset. And now that it's on the small screen in a serial form, you know, the question is, do you really want to spend that much energy? Because not only are you working to figure out the story, but aesthetically, even though it is beautiful, mm-hmm. there's a, more stuff coming at you aesthetically to try and sift through as well. So proceed with caution unless you are a Stephen King fanatic yeah. and you're just like, I really am not going to miss out on something like this it is certainly in my opinion not worth taking out a subscription mm-hmm. to watch with apple 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 tv has some other great things mosquito coat i mean they've got other yeah. great things on there if you already have it and you want to check it out receive with caution um sweet tooth <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like the latest baking show on netflix <laughs> it does, it does is it? it no no it's not no this is not at all. It's on Netflix. It comes out the 4th of June, this Friday. And when you look at the poster, <laughs> as I did, I went. I said to myself, Self, is this like the dawn of Thundercats? Like, what is happening? <laughs> like, is this a prequel of the... Like, how did Thundercats become Thundercats? <laughs> And I was way off. So (laughs) Sweet Tooth is not about the dawn of Thundercats. Now, you'll know Netflix is a hit and miss network. You find some great things. You know, you actually rarely find just okay things. Mm -hmm. It's either great or it's like way out there. And when you look at the poster, as our listeners may do right after this, how can we navigate through what we see on that poster, what we know about Netflix versus what's actually being shown. How can we encourage them or steer them in a way that maybe the poster may turn some of our listeners away? Yeah, well, I mean, you do have to like fantasy, that kind of stuff. Um, Not that it's too fantastical, but just know that. And it is based on a comic book series of the same name. So what happens? Bear with this, everybody. Just hold Please your Please bear. Hold your horses. <laughs> or hold your cats or whatever hold, you're hold holding. Hold your cats and your dogs and your turtles. Now, there is a pandemic in this show. But this is the kind of pandemic that wipes out almost the entire human race. Gone. What caused it? At the same time that this pandemic broke out, human babies started being born as hybrids of humans and animals. What's the cause? Nobody knows. So they had human parents, but they might come out as a human and a bird hybrid. And these hybrids have different um, mixtures of hybridization. So some are closer to human, some are closer to animal. So of course, humans being humans, that's not way to investigate. Let's put two and two together and go, well, the pandemic happened. The hybrids came. The hybrids caused the pandemic. So you can imagine what happens. Now, in the center of this story is the character whose nickname is Sweet Tooth. His real name is Gus. Gus is a hybrid. He's human and deer. Oh, is that but, what that was? <laughs> that's exactly what it was, yes. 
but he's special. He can talk and so on. Oh, the other hybrids cannot talk. Not all of them. Okay. Yeah. So again, some of them are closer to the animal, some closer to the human, some in the in between. So we see Gus as a baby and his father has him in his arms in the forest away from everybody. And his father's played by Will Forte, by the way. So you're like, okay. Is this a comedy? What's happening right. here? It's not a comedy, but Will Forte is the father. And this father is fiercely protective of Gus. So we see Gus grow up over the course of a few years. His father's telling him, don't go over through the fence. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, it's kind of like Hannah, but he doesn't teach Gus how to fight. So as Gus grows up, we start to see he does have enhanced hearing and other things and smell. So you can sniff that there will be mm. more and more powers that he might develop over time. So if, so if lights shine, if a car is coming at him, does he just pause? Well, he might. <laughs> but the thing is, he'll see the car before you do it. He'll hear it before you do. Oh, well, then he's not a full deer. Then. No, no, he's not. Again, it's human and deer. And he has a nice balance. Mm-hmm. The two complement each other. So, of course, he gets out. I mean, you know this is going to happen. Right. I won't tell you how that happens. And he runs into a character whom he calls Big Man, played by Nonzo Anozi. Now, if you know Nonzo, he is a big man. They no doubt about that. And his character, Tommy, does something that makes Gus want to be with Tommy. Stay with Tommy. Tommy's like, go away, kid. I'm done with you. So you'll see what that is. But of course, they end up being attached. And as they go through... Tommy tries to teach Gus about the real world. You are not safe as a hybrid because there is in another storyline, a doctor and his wife. The wife is not well. What does that mean? But he's a doctor. Can he keep her well? And if you're a human and you have the disease that caused this pandemic, how do the other humans treat you, right? Can you actually just walk around with the disease? Will they even just let you quarantine? Or do they have other remedies? Because again, the majority of the human population is gone. Nature is now taking back over. So some humans think that hybrids are nature's way of balancing. That's the point. The hybrids will take over for humans and, and they will be stewards of the planet. That's what some people think. Others go, no, we need to find a cure to this pandemic. And maybe the hybrids are the key. Maybe. Now, this doctor knows another doctor who's doing certain things when it comes to these hybrids. Does the doctor have the stomach for this? He might have to have the stomach if it comes to his wife's health. Now, we also have a sort of sanctuary for hybrids. And this is where uh, Dania Ramirez's character comes in, Amy. Something is left on her doorstep one day because she is like... She sealed herself off from everyone in a zoo. But something's left out there, and this, you know, opens her heart. And we do see throughout the show that there is this sanctuary for hybrids. Can you trust it? I mean, everybody who watches Walking Dead goes, really? Mm -mm -mm. So what's the connection between Amy and the sanctuary? And where does she fall when it comes to hybrids? What's her actual opinion? So you have this mob of people chasing down hybrids for particular reasons. They have to hide because of that. You have people who want to save the hybrids, including this group of teenagers who themselves, they're human, 
but who themselves have taken on animal personas. They are all about the hybrids, not about anybody else. How do they fit? How do they reach out to Gus? How do all of these tentacles start to connect? Is the question in the first season of Sweet Tooth. And where did Gus get that name? Now, what I would say is this. When it comes to Gus's storyline and then Big Man and all of that, that's the heart of the show. And I did like the doctor part as well. Amy's part, I thought, was the weakest link. So when you have three major narratives going on, that can be challenging. But I think for Sweet Tooth, especially for the first half of season one, they they had the balance right. Because it's not all dark. So if you've read the comic book, supposedly this is lighter than the comic which I didn't mind. I think they did a good job. I felt the danger, but also the hope of Gus was well represented. Um, so in the first three episodes, especially, I thought they did a beautiful dance of that. Then in episode four, we start to go into these teens. We start to get Amy and it started to dilute it for me, but there is something endearing about it with that danger that I liked. Again, there are fantasy elements. The voiceover work, I don't know who's doing it. I'm not going to look it up. It's just great in this show. So if if you're someone who likes fantasy, if you're someone who liked the comic book, if what I said interested you at all, you're going, oh, really? How do they handle this? I would say check it out. Uh, in regard to the pandemic parts, it didn't make me think about today. That's the thing. I did not think, oh, what's going on now and in the show? It, I was in their world which was a success. I just do want to caution you though, if you're excited from the beginning by it, it doesn't really keep that standard throughout season one. Well, there you have Sweet Tooth, which is out on June 4th, this Friday. We've given you a plethora of shows to choose from. All you have to do is choose. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.